0: Welcome to The Crash the Pond Podcast. We are back. It is a Monday, March 7th edition of the show. Jake, this is this is going to be a busy show. I think the last few weeks we've had, you know, we've had decent topics, but but this week we've got a little bit of everything. We've got coach, we've got uh, I should say trade rumors, we've got free agent talk, we've got games to talk about. It's 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 going to be an interesting one. We've got quotes from Pat Verbeek. Yeah, yeah, great quotes from Patrick. Yeah. Actually, yeah, so, there's so, there's a lot to do. So yeah, I think we should just we should just attack it, you know, yeah. like like they say in life, you want to take take the bull by the horns. So that's what we'll do with the show. Should note though, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that Jake is wearing a pink hat and a blue floral print
1: shirt. I mean, it's... we've established this a lot. Um, one of us has to provide a visual entertainment element to the people watching us. And what? you know, sometimes I uh, I decide to throw on some colorful things to entertain the people. Why Why are you throwing shade at my gray T-shirt? Yeah, you know. And uh, <laughs> one of us decided to throw on golf attire for this one. Yeah, I'm still not understanding how that's golf attire. You just you look like a skateboarder. It's golf attire. It It's just It's just not. It's golf attire.
0: <laughs> it It simply isn't. Um. PC
1: okay. Man is saying my hat's not hat is nuts. Thank you. I'm taking that as a compliment.
0: Nuts. Yeah, let's go with that. Um I'm taking it as a compliment. I mean it's not a bad hat. I'm not knocking the outfit. It's just the choice. The the choice is what I'm pointing out.
1: Some of us choose to be bold, some of us choose to not be bold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, hey, I guess I'm a coward then. Noted. Noted. It's putting oh, you, putting words de- into de- your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I don't even own like clothing of that of that caliber of I guess noise, loudness, whatever the term is you want to use.
1: Maybe you should up your game. I I should uh, give credit though. This was actually a very late birthday present to me from one of my good friends. So, oh, there you, you know? go. Wow, you know? look at you. Maybe, give- maybe maybe you should stop hating on it. <laughs> wow, team
0: player. I like it. Okay, let's um let's talk about let's talk about the let's get to business here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to start with this because I think it's the it's the most interesting. It's it's the most novel uh saturday night hockey night in canada i'm watching canadians oilers who by the way canadians won again uh seven over their last eight martin st louis coach of the year but regardless intermission show jeff merrick drops a bombshell on all of us saying that max contois name has popped up in trade conversations around the league and that it's it's intensifying and kind of double down on it on 32 thoughts of the podcast where he was saying that just don't be
1: surprised if, if something happens there and mention it again this morning on the Jeff Merrick show yes so what's your reaction to that um my initial reaction to it was similar to when Jeff had I think Jeff was the one who had the little bit of little tidbit on Troy Terry last year no it was Friedman it was yeah Okay, well then, never mind. Scratch that. But regardless, my, my feeling on it is the same, which is that this feels in some ways like it's coming from his camp because he has been misused by the Ducks coaching staff. He has not been put into a position to, to succeed for most of the year. He's an offensive player, and he's mainly been playing uh, with Isaac Lundstrom and Jacob Silverberg for most of the season. And I'll look that up just to confirm. I'm just curious to make sure on that. But um, this feels like his camp's trying to get out there that he needs a change of scenery because the Ducks aren't utilizing him correctly. Mm-hmm. And I've brought this up many times with, with Max Comtois. His play this season is not that much different than his play the last, or last season. And that's not necessarily meant to say his play last season was that great, but it's meant to highlight the fact that when you're relying on points and points solely to judge a player, you're going to get into this habit of, um, Going as shooting percentages go And I think that's what's happening With Max Comtois here for the Ducks And for Dallas Akins on the whole And it's funny because the flip happens With Troy Terry Troy Terry last season Just had an awful shooting percentage And mm. unsustainably low This year unsustainably high What's the praise for him He's this changed player, all these Confidence. things. Confidence, yeah, and he's getting bounces, and that's the biggest thing. And he's been played great; like his play is elevated. There's a whole lot there for Troy Terry, obviously. Yeah, and, and it's and not it's just not, it's
0: not just shooting percentage no, with Terry. No,
1: but it it, it kind of highlights the fact that when you put guys into good positions, they start to score, and those kind of low shooting percentages start to normalize. And so, just so you know, Matt Combs was shooting four percent this season.
0: Yeah, so down thirteen percent from last
1: year. Yeah. So if you're looking for a reason why the coaching staff is down on him, that's probably the biggest reason why because he's ju- the puck's just not going in as much. But um, he's, a, he's also
0: he's also taken a step back at five on five in terms of
1: driving. Yeah, offense. but I don't think it's a huge one.
0: Uh, I mean, if you, at least if you look at the RAPM charts, maybe his that's indi- fair. Maybe his individual shot rates are similar. Yeah, yeah but that's but what I'm wh- talking about. When here. he's on the ice, and I mean the whole point of RAPM is to kind of isolate like that's fair. The ducks are like, he's a negative value right now in terms of driving offense from an expected goals percentage. Yeah. So his
1: his individual expected goals per 60 has gone down from 0.9 to 0.76. He's shooting the puck a little bit less, 6.6 shots on goal per 60 to 5.89. And this is an all situation. So it's gone down a little bit from uh, an individual perspective. Um, And then from an on ice perspective, I mean, he's kind of basically where he was at last season. 47% expected goals for last season, 48% this season, um, 2.29 expected goals, maybe a little bit more low event, 2.9 expected goals for this season, or per 60 this season, 2.36 last, 2.59 against last season, 2.43 this. So a little bit more low event. All this is to say that if you're looking for what the biggest difference is, right, it's and, that shooting and, percentage. Well, and we've I, talked
0: about this before. Well, so the biggest difference in I would say just to kind of clarify what you're saying is the biggest difference in terms of his perception and the reason he's being yes. used this way is because of the shooting percentage. Because Correct. because last season he was definitely a flawed player. He was he had shown improvement in driving offense which he had not shown in the past, but was horrendous defensively. And the the shooting percentage kind of masked all of it, made him uh yes. a staple in the lineup this year you you, you pull the carpet out from underneath him and it's just there's nothing what are you left. left with exactly it,
1: and that was kind of what we talked about last season and why i think both you and i were in some ways um saying it wouldn't be a bad idea to look at look at moving him and selling him high in the summer because he was shooting unsustainably high and maybe his on-ice numbers weren't as great as that and now it's kind of the flip side of that, right? Mm-hmm. His 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 perception is at an all-time low, and this quickly it's kind of changed. Um, and I think for me, kind of circling back to your original question about what were my thoughts, I think it would, it would be an awful idea to move him right now, mainly because you're selling at an all-time low in terms of his value.
0: Right. Well, it is. I will give you your flowers here, Jake. Last season you did mention that Contois was a good sell-high candidate. Mm -hmm. Uh, because there was serious regression potential this season. And lo and behold, that's exactly what's happened. And the narrative is completely flipped. And I do agree with what you said in the beginning, which is that I don't think that this is a rumor coming from the Ducks. I think that... Let me me phrase it a different way. I don't think that the Ducks are looking to move Maxime Contois. I think that they would probably prefer to have him in the organization because he's a cheap young player who has shown potential in past seasons there's no reason to trade a guy like that unless there's no reason to trade him for the sake of trading him right it just doesn't yeah. make sense so to me just logically it would have to be coming from the player side and i think that the player is is kind of frustrated. justified like yeah he frustrated certainly and also i mean you heard his comment right on at the intermission last night where <laughs> ali lozoff asked him you know about you know, just his play and the season. And he's like, yeah, well, I don't play very much, but just... And there was kind of like this little awkward moment where it's like, oh, you you, you touched... A, you, you flew a little too close to the sun there, Max, uh, be, being a little too real there. But, I mean, it, it's frustrating, I'm sure. And I and I think there's two sides to the coin, which is, for one, Max Coltois is... I, <laughs> maybe an overused phrase in the show or in our Discord, more appropriately. Maybe. There's two sides to the coin, though, which is, for one... Max Contois is, I think, a, a fine player, or at least just an interesting player. Right? He's got he's got potential. He's shown that, and and for that reason, you want to see him play. You want to see him get more opportunities. The other side of the coin is that he is a very flawed player. And to me, just on an eye test level, and I think the numbers kind of back this up. There hasn't been a lot of improvement in his game yeah, over the fair. years. Like I, I think you watch him play, and it's like. The player that we see today is not that much different from the player we first saw. I mean, when he had his first cup of coffee in the NHL. Like he's still not a great skater. He still hasn't added a lot of skills in terms of small area skills. I don't think he's really developed a shot, you know, like outside of the kind of that inner slot area. And it's just tough to hack it in the NHL when you're not expanding your skill set. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm sure he's gotten more physically fit. I'm sure that there's there's things to his game that have improved, but it's just it's tough from that perspective. So for me, I think I agree with you right now. There is no sense in, you know, doing this change of scenery thing if you're the Ducks unless he just completely wants out and it's this toxic situation.
1: Yeah, uh, completely agreed. Um, it, and, yeah, it, it's something where it just doesn't make any sense to move him right now. Yeah, unless it's, it's like, like – because even if he's, let's say, packaged in, right,
0: yeah. that his his value in that package is lower. And so yeah. you're not getting as much mileage for including him. Yeah. So it still doesn't make sense. Yeah. But exactly. I, but, but I will say this, and I think this is an important clarifier. I am not against trading Max. Coleman. Agreed. Agreed. Like, I, like like people should not be taking this as me saying that oh he's this immovable asset. No, everyone has a price. If if it makes sense for the team, if it makes sense for the kind of this, this long term vision that Pat Verbeek is building, then yes, you do it. Um, I, I'm not against trading him It's just It's got to It's got to make sense And it can't be At, at yeah. actual rock
1: bottom In terms of his trade value Yeah I mean That was my Kind of going back slightly But that was my whole issue With the Isaac Lundestrom Or not Isaac Lundestrom With the Andre Kasha <laughs> trade Was right. that you were selling At an all time low In terms of value And you can have Your own opinion on that trade But I kind of stand by that And that's Where where this is at still And so I don't Yeah necessarily- but Jake they
0: got, they got Axel Anderson Out of it though
1: Yeah Yeah <laughs> i just broke him i just jake is shaking would you you do Comtois for jake debrusque one for one
0: yes yeah i think i would like what (laughs) like yeah
1: i don't think any i
0: don't think the bruins would yeah no um Um, i don't know his contract status though maybe that that's part of it yeah but so anyway I, i think that it's kind of a weird like it almost kind of feels like a nothing rumor to me right because do you think the Ducks are shopping Coltois because a disgruntled player and agent have well, approached the Well, it feels the team? like the
1: Terry situation.
0: So I fully buy last year as well, and you did bring up the Terry thing that I I do think that Terry was disgruntled and wasn't happy with how he was being used. And rightfully so. Yeah, and and much like, I would say he had an even stronger case than Coltois. Yeah, and I think this year has has been has been vindicated for his frustration. And so the the problem is I, with, with Contois, I don't know if there's this big upshot for him next season, where if let's say he stays with the ducks, um, he can, he can make everybody look silly for, for having, you know, maybe not had as much confidence in him or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's not, there's not a Terry esque breakout there. No, waiting.
1: there, there could be a shooting percentage bump.
0: Well, that's the thing. So that's, that's what you're hoping for. If you just want to kind of recoup some kind of value. I mean, yeah. if it, if it were up to me, I would just stick it out with Contois and just, I mean, first off I would tell Dallas Akins to play him because I mean, this is, oh, this is the other just do you, sickening. Do you want, do you want yeah. to just get into
1: last night's game? Well, no,
0: hold on. The, the, I, this is an important point. Okay. The the sickening aspect of the narrative to me that cause Jeff Merrick is at the heart of all of this. And he keeps saying, oh, well, uh, Anaheim's left side is, is tough to crack. They, they're, they're deep on the left side. And that's like, okay, let's think about who's actually playing left wing for the Ducks before we start saying that. Uh, the, like These are the guys that are playing ahead of Maxime Contois. Nick Delorier, and you've got Derek Grant, who's also played a ton at, at left wing. Is it tough to crack? Or is Dallas Akins just once again incapable of properly evaluating the players he has in front of him?
1: And Sam Steele playing on left wing also a lot.
0: Right. So I don't think it's a matter of like if, if, if you're anyone who's heard that and you've believed it for a second, don't because well, it's, not, it's not about that.
1: And it, also Adam Henrique playing on the left side when Ryan Getzloff is out instead of playing center.
0: Right, it, it, it's just this whole thing that yes, there's a lot of bodies on the left side, but that doesn't mean that they have to play those specific guys. Dallas Akin's has chosen to value a player in Nick Delorier, whose great biggest value add is fighting. I mean, sure, the the fourth line has been better of late, but anyway, the whole point is just that it's it's I mean, unfortunate that it's gotten to this point with Contois because it it feels like it didn't have to to get here.
1: I, I was just curious to see if it's still this way. Nick Delory on the Athletic, uh, through Dom Lushishin's, uh Lushishin's model uh, with GSVA, is still projected a negative zero point two million market value. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, according to
0: Alan Walsh, that model, Dom Lushishin just has no credibility. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that. Twitter I did. Exchange. Entertaining.
1: Yeah. Um, but I, I think this is a good transition point into last night's game with Max Comtois drawing back into the lineup yep. with uh, with Ryan Getzloff hurt. Sam Steele was uh, put into the first-line center role with Adam and Troy Terry. Uh, and then we got Raquel, Milano, Zegres. Um, Comtois with Lundstrom and Silverberg. And then Carrick, Grant, and Delore on the fourth line. Um, and, I mean, it sucks how it happened. Yes. But... Dallas Akins had his hand forced because the thing that stuck out to me so much with that lineup was when Sam Steele had been placed in the first line role or quote unquote first line role previously, it kinda you could squint and maybe say okay, there's not really a whole lot of other options. Like I was like maybe try Troy Terry there, who knows? But Terry has never played center at the NHL level. Yeah. Last night I looked at that and I was like. Adam, are, are we forgetting that Adam Henrique for the last, what, five years? Six years? His, uh, his entire
0: career for the most part?
1: Yeah. Like, has been a center in the NHL. And why is he playing wing instead of Sam Steele? And I guess if you want to make the argument of development, things like that, wanting to give Sam Steele the looks at those roles, sure. But that doesn't jive. Like, it, it feels two-faced a bit if that's the logic there because that's not what – Essentially Dallas Higgins have been doing, but regardless of the point. Um and kind of the Ducks' hand were forced because Lundstrom went out very early in the se- early in the game, and it forced the Ducks to essentially shift Sam Steele into the Lundestrom role, move Adam Henrique to center, and push Max Colmtois up into that top six. And so the bottom six was a completely fluctuating thing with someone on the wing with Lundestrom and Silverberg, whether that be Terry from the top six or someone from the, the bottom line or the the fourth line. But the end result of this game was that the top six played the most at five on five by a significant margin. I think it was like they played 70% of the game at five on five. And the bottom six played the other 30%. Um and what ended up happening was the ducks played maybe one of their best games of the season at five on five. They dominated play to the tune of 69% expected goals, four percentage. And Max Comtois looked really good next to admin reek and Troy Terry. Part of that is Troy Terry had a masterful game. He yes. just was on a mission. The entire game was dominant in the ozone generating chances. And being on that line with him is going to be really helpful to Comtois. But that's exactly what we've been talking about of putting hit put him in positions to succeed put him in positions where he's going to be able to thrive, where he's going to get looks, get chances. And he set up a goal for the Ducks last night with that shot that ended up rebounding off Adam and And so kind of back to the original point where the Ducks were forced to have a top six and what ended up happening, they were dominant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of those guys posted great numbers. They, they looked great by the eye test. And I mean, I think I've said this jokingly on Twitter before, but if I coach the Ducks, I would simply play the best players the most. That's it. That would be the only change that would be really needed because Dallas Akins doesn't do that for the most part. Um, and so last night, being the exception to the rule, you saw the result. And, I mean, you you mentioned this today, but I initially thought, well, a lot of this is just the Sharks are bad. And, and yes, they were also coming off of – they were on the tail end of a back-to-back. But the Sharks and Ducks aren't that far apart at 5-on-5 in terms of their underlying numbers. So, yeah. So – that makes it look better in hindsight because it's not purely, okay, you're beating up a bad team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this was a game where yet again, the ducks were, didn't get great goaltending. They haven't gotten great goaltending really in weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Since, since before the all-star break. Yeah. Really? We'll get, we'll,
0: we'll get to that. We'll get to the Vegas game.
1: Yeah, and, and they were able to survive, and, and that's what they've had to do. And that's honestly what made them so successful earlier on in the season was the fact that they didn't get stellar goaltending to start the year. And they yeah. actually had to rely on good five-on-five play to, to lead the way. And that's what happened last night. And um, it, it's really it's good to see. And while it was something that for uh, kind of Aiken's hands was forced into doing this, I hope that he can maybe take a lesson from this of hey and granted this is wishful thinking on my part. And yes, also it, I'm it of is. I'm of the opinion of he's not going to be back next season so it doesn't really matter. But I guess maybe from that global perspective this goes to show what could happen if you optimize that top uh, optimize the lineup and create a top 6 that you play most of the game.
0: Well yeah, cuz I mean that's that's been a bit of a frustrating narrative around this team as they've kind of fizzled out in terms of their playoff hopes. Right? I mean, if you look at the standings and you squint, you can maybe try to trick yourself into saying that they're in it. But with the games in hand that the other teams in front of them have, it's just going to be really hard. Um, but it's there's been kind of this almost like fatalism of, well, this was this was always going to happen, right? That the, this hot start was never going to sustain, and, and this is just who they were always going to be. And it's like, well, kind of, right? We, no one expected them to be a great team. No one expected them to. It, to, it, wasn't, to bat- it wasn't smoke and mirrors
1: to start. Right, but that. it
0: but it also wasn't smoke and mirrors, and there is a path to at least sustain that to a degree. And again, part of it is the COVID rampage in the first, you know, in January and late December. But also, it's just Dallas Aikens again continuing to prioritize playing his third and fourth lines over just rolling his horses well,
1: that to me has felt like the biggest shift in the the mentality for this team if you recall like don't think too long ago uh Derek Grant was waived yeah and and Nick Deloria was in and out of the lineup and that was all happening when the Ducks were playing extremely well mm-hmm. like that was not when they were playing they were playing poorly and they were trying to jump start guys things like that that was when the Ducks were playing legitimately extremely well yeah. And they were scratching Nick DeLoria and Derek Grant on the regular. And what changed since then is that those guys are playing big minutes. And yeah. I think that there's an easy correlation that can be had there of, well, there's kind of your change is that they're being put into bigger positions and the Ducks are in some ways suffering as a result of that.
0: Well, it's not just that those guys are playing bigger roles. I mean, I guess it, it should be obvious, but it, it it's probably helpful to say it is just that the more minutes those guys play, the less minutes the good players play. And you're just taking so much value off the table in the long run doing that. Um, it is strange. It is a good, it is kind of an interesting question of how did this happen? How did we get to this point where Dallas Aikens tricked himself into thinking that his best shot at winning is coaching this way? Because, like you said, in the beginning of the season, we saw, like a, I guess, whatever is slightly more than a flash of Aikens, I think, coaching a, a good game. And it just kind of went away. I think that as he got desperate, maybe, I don't know. I mean, he's uh, certainly under a lot of pressure because we, his future is uncertain. Uh, it's just, it's backed him into a corner. But it's just that the decisions that have come out of that have just not been good. So.
1: Yep. Raquel's goatee saying, uh, what change is no Bo Grew. Shake my head, future Selkie candidate.
0: <laughs> yeah, Bo Grew. Remember yeah. those days? Um, oh. Okay. Well, so do you want to... Okay, let's get your brief take on this. Uh, controversial overtime goal yeah. against the Sharks. Yeah. Con- con- controversial because it legitimately should have been a penalty.
1: Yeah. it the, Like, it should have been, It was too many men on the ice. Like, I mean, here, I'll just read the rule for everyone. The... <laughs> It, it's much easier when you just put it this way. Cause I mean, there are people, I, I just want to make this clear there. There's this part of the rule, which basically says when a player is retiring from the ice service and is, is in with is within five, the five feet limit of his player's bench and a substitute is on the ice. Then retiring player shall be considered off the ice for the purpose of rule 70, leaving the bench. So that has to do with basically if the guys are a line legal line change is allowed to happen when the guy coming off the ice is within within five feet of the bench. And for the purposes of leaving the bench, Um, the person um, coming off the ice is considered off the ice at that point in time for a penalty of a guy coming onto the ice for last man in. Things like that. But in very specific in the too many men on the ice portion of it, it adds after that, if in the course of making a substitution, either the player entering the game or the player retiring plays the puck or who checks or makes any physical contact with an opposing player while both players involved in the substitution are on the ice, then the infraction of too many men on the ice will be called. And if you look at it, when Ricard Raquel is able to grab the puck and he uh, makes that play, Adam and Reek's skates are firmly planted on the ice. He is not on the bench. He is standing by the boards just because he's within five feet does not mean that it is allowed. Um, if he is on the ice physically on the ice per the rule, um, for rule 74, which is too many men on the ice, it's a penalty. And so the goal shouldn't have happened. Good, good break for the ducks. The sharks are definitely, um, right to be aggrieved, to be angry about this. Um, but, uh, I mean, the Ducks took advantage of it, and uh, Ricard, I mean. Raquel, Ricard Raquel trade stock. Yeah, Ricard Raquel's the- trade stock. Uh, yeah, being within the five feet doesn't, there are people kind of saying in the Twitch chat, he's within five feet, no penalty. If that's the case, then when the puck's thrown by the bench, when people are making changes, you see guys jump over the boards and things like that, mm-hmm. that wouldn't happen. The five feet rule does not matter for too many men on the ice with playing the puck. Right, that exactly. That's the key part, is the well, and, playing of the puck. And I feel like that,
0: even in the commentary, I feel like that got kind of blurred because you're, because of the exact distinction you're talking about. People and, are thinking about a standard line change, kind of not realizing that there is a key distinction when the puck is, is involved. Like,
1: the line change was completely fine if Henrique is just on the bench. Well, that's the thing. And, I mean, like, my
0: reaction was initially the same, which is that, oh, you know, this happens all the time. This is kind of like your normal late you know kind of these changes are a little sloppy but when the puck is being played you just read the rule that i mean it, it changes it's no longer
1: that yeah it happens all the time and, scenario and, and if you want to say well and here's the thing people say it happens all the time and things like that it's it's a missed call but and there are missed calls that happen all the time but in the same way if and i mentioned this to you before we started recording if there's a hook in the defensive zone. And it leads to a breakaway the other way. The team that got hooked would be pissed, right? It's the same situation, and yeah. this is a penalty by the letter of the law. It's a hook, and, or not a hook. by the letter of the law. It's too many men on the ice. Uh, Henrik skates are on the ice. If I mean the real issue I have here is why wasn't someone opening the boards? You mean the uh, door? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why isn't someone opening the the opening the door there for Henrik to jump on or jump on the bench? Why isn't Henrique jumping onto the bench also?
0: Yeah, well, here's the thing, though. I mean, we're getting a comment, but as someone who hashtag played the game, no player actually understands too many men. Too many men, they just panic. Yeah, but there's a reason they panic if the puck goes near the bench, because you're not allowed to play it if you have too many men. That's why that should have been a penalty, because you had four guys on the ice, and one of them played the puck. Yeah, If if the puck doesn't get played there... And it just go and it goes down or whatever. We're not having this conversation.
1: Yeah, and I mean the the it's rule be, is it's because the, he played it. It's why guys the, try to jump; they won't, don't want it to hit their skate. The the rule book is cut and dry, and I think that that yeah. at the end of the day is the beginning and the end of the story for the situation. Is sure you can say well the refs could call it this way, it could call it that way. The rule book says this; that is what they are instructed to enforce. Yeah. If they don't enforce that, it's a blown call. That's it yeah that and, like that's that's the end of the story there and like that is why i say it's a blown call like whether yeah. that whether i think it's the right decision or wrong decision it's a blown call and it's not meant to take away from what the ducks did
0: it's not meant to also to, go ahead go sorry ahead. no i'm gonna go for it
1: all i was gonna say is that um <laughs> notice how they didn't ha- uh have silverberg on the ice to start the well, no Lundestrom or Silverberg. I mean, that was the first thing I
0: noticed. Was oh wow, they're gonna gonna go and try and win the game. Interesting. Like this is the 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 madness of the uh, lundestrom Silverberg duo to start overtime. It's like you're not winning. You're not winning the game with those two out there. You're like this whole notion of oh well, you're you're controlling the play. You're you're kind of making sure the other team doesn't score. It's like well, that's like you've already got a point in hand. Like you got to go and get the next one. Yeah, it's it's not time to play it safe. Um, yep. But yeah, so it was a blown call. But I mean, whatever. Like, I, I hate Stop. getting is I, I hate getting into the rule stuff because you get you get all the debates. But th- well, that's there's the only thing is, there's I, only one. There's actually only one right answer when there's a rule book.
1: Yeah. Like, that's the <laughs> thing here is like, I it's not really a debate worth having because the rule is the rule. Right. And if it wasn't enforced correctly, then it's a blown call. And that's the end of the story. Right. I mean, And that's not and, and that's not meant to be argumentative. That's just how it is.
0: Right, I mean, Adam Henrique was still on the ice. He's still a player in the field of play. Ricard Raquel was also on the ice, and he got the puck. Yep, there's that. your too many men. Like in that moment, it like the, the buzzer goes off, but the refs
1: missed it. And Adam yep. Henrique was Great just finish. getting off. Great finish. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean the du- the Ducks really benefited from a couple things in that game. First off, the Sharks going offside. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, that – well, also, Logan Couture just kind of, like, I don't know what went through Logan Couture's mind on that play where he just basically completely spaced out because he saw Henrik going back to the bench, and then I, he scans, and you can see that he makes con- eye contact with Ricard Raquel and then just stares back at, at Troy Terry playing the puck, all, like, all the way on the other end. So that
1: that was a little bit intriguing, to yep. say the least. Okay. Real quick, just pointing this out, poker puck says, but you said if he's within five feet, that's okay. The five feet is only meant if it's a legal line change or not. So the line mm-hmm. change is allowed to happen if the guy coming off the ice is within five feet of the bench. But if he's within that five feet and the guy either him or the guy coming onto the ice plays the puck, then it's too many men on the ice. Doesn't matter how close they are with uh how close they are to the bench. It if they play if two guys are on the ice yeah. and they play the puck. Then there are six guys on the ice at that. Well, in this case, four guys on the ice when it should be three on three.
0: Yeah, I mean the the, the distance here is kind of immaterial because of the well, playing of the puck, but it's the playing of the puck that renders that moot. Um, it's just not what we're discussing. Basically.
1: CJ KHL with the great comment. Couture is very dumb, to be honest. Sorry.
0: Yeah, I mean it's 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 not a. I mean even though he's correct in arguing the call, it's not a great look when you were the guy who could have done something about it and you just kind of <laughs> kind of got caught puck, puck watching. Okay. Uh, Do you want to talk about the Vegas game? Or should we do
1: an ad read? I think it's time for an ad read. Okay. So this episode is brought to you by Green Chef. So... Uh, Green Chef is a meal meal, uh, kit service. You can enjoy your greens. It's the most sustainable meal kit. Uh, You can enjoy your greens while being green. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of their plastic packaging in every box and 100% of their carbon footprint and emissions. Green Chef's pre-portioned ingredients means you'll actually reduce your food waste by at least 25% compared to grocery shopping. And then Green Chef's also extremely convenient and easy. They make it easy uh, or they make cooking easy so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home cooked meals. Their uh, meals are pre-made and pre-measured or have pre-made and pre-measured sauces, dressings and spices so you can get more chef curated flavor in less time. You can avoid long lines at the grocery store. Green Chef is so convenient with their pre-portioned easy to follow recipes that are delivered right to your door. And with fresh produce, premium proteins, and organic ingredients, you can trust Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. They offer 35 nutritious and flavorful options to choose from each week, featuring premium, clean ingredients that are seasonally sourced for peak freshness. Green Chef's always-changing variety of easy-to-follow recipes means there's something new to discover each week so you never get bored. And because they're the number one meal kit for eating well, um, they give you a lot of different options for every different lifestyle. uh, They include keto plus paleo, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, and gluten-free. Whether you're looking for carb-conscious, gluten-free, plant-based, or calorie-conscious options, or you just want to have delicious, balanced dishes, Green Chef has flavorful, good-for-you recipes that are sure to satisfy. And as the first ever and only keto meal kit on the market green chef makes sticking to carb conscious lifestyle easy so felix what's on the recipe this week for green chef yeah so
0: the one i mean so they've got this weekly menu and italian style surf and turf looks amazing yeah so you've got steak you've got shrimp you've got shallot green kale hazelnuts parmesan cheese a little cream cheese italian herb it's freaking delicious and it's healthy. Um, it's low carb, so you can stick to your your keto lifestyle, gluten free. Um, that's the beauty of Green Chef is that, that, that it's that also, actually delicious.
1: <laughs> that also has the Chef Select uh, portion. That uh, treat yourself to a fine dining experience with this premium recipe. Some other things on the the menu are mozzarella stuffed pork uh, meatloaf, uh, beef meatballs with Creole Dijon. Um, I've mentioned this before, but their meals are fantastic. We save the recipes no matter what whenever we get them, just so we can always try them again. Cause they always end up absolutely delicious. Um, so with that being said, you can go to greenchef.com slash ctp one thirty and use code ctp130 to get one hundred and thirty dollars off. Plus free shipping. Once again, that's greenchef.com slash CTP 130. And use code CTP 130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. That's once again, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well.
0: Yep, so go check that out. And with that, let's talk about the Vegas game. This This was an interesting game because let's just say that up to a certain point, and by that I mean uh, before Trevor Ziegris scores, at which point the the Vegas Golden Knights are basically running over the Ducks. I mean it's five to two at that point. You know they've scored three unanswered goals. It almost felt like okay, you know this is not a healthy Vegas team. They're they're missing Mark Stone. They're missing Max Pacioretty. This almost feels like the nadir of the Duck season. Like if mm-hmm. they can't if they can't get it done. In this kind of cushier match i don't want to say cushier matchup but a more favorable matchup with vegas i mean you're at home and they're not at full strength they're missing key players what can you conceivably get done and on top of that john gibson is not having a good game it just felt like this was going completely like this was this was the season once again this is this is the season just continuing to spiral uh down the drain but instead once again Trevor egress gets it done on the power play a fantastic shot along the right side um, to bring Anaheim within two. And then in the third period, Troy Terry also getting it done on the power play. He's very good, don't you think? Troy Terry is very good. And it was just this exciting comeback. It was a, it was a great effort by the Ducks to to make it close. And and, to, and not just to make it close, but to do it in style. I mean, if you look at both the Zegras and Terry goals, these are, I mean, first off, Troy Terry, the, the move to the backhand from the right side. Oh, Yeah. So I've said this a couple times but that's not an easy play even though you could say maybe Brozovic is, is you know too far and on his low, post low there deep. yeah but the thing is so that's a goal line play and maybe Brozovic should be a little further out but the way that Terry kind of lulls him to sleep fading to the goal line and then puts all his weight onto that right foot so he can cut to the left and then extends like he he does this thing where he kind of extends out his hands so he creates a new shooting angle And he can just perfectly shoot it into the far side. I mean, I know that it's not like it, maybe it's a little hyperbolic, but sometimes some of the stuff Troy Terry does reminds me of Pavel Datsyuk because just like the, just the creativity, the kind of, but it's also scientific where you, you can see what he's doing and how he's doing it. And, and it leads to this fantastic result. So again, like it was an impressive comeback. All these great things were happening. Ultimately the ducks fall short and I think at the end of it, you're kind of just left wondering, well, you know, it's well and good that they came back, but they also put themselves in this awful position and they don't have anything to show for it. They lose in regulation.
1: Is it time that we have the conversation, the John Gibson conversation, the John Gibson conversation? Yeah. I mean, look, I've, I've been a defender in
0: recent weeks, you know, saying, well, you know, fatigue, this and that, but the trend is the trend. John Gibson has has not been good since the all-star break. and, there's different, you know, hypotheses that you could come up with. You know, is it fatigue? Is is he banged up? And and Dallas Aikens has alluded to all of those in their in his press availabilities. But the fact of the matter is that he, a he's not played well, and b the Ducks are doing a damn thing about it. Like they're no. like they gave him maybe one extra night off for the for the San Jose game, the the first San Jose game, and it's just like, what is the plan here? It and you know, and I mean, it also doesn't sound great when. Dallas Aikens gets asked about this and he says, well, our goalie coach is off scouting in a faraway land. And so we'll we'll have to convene on that. It's just like it it just seems kind of like a rudderless ship when it comes to
1: managing John Gibson. So here's every game since the All-Star break. Seattle, negative 1.85 GSAX. Calgary, negative 2.15 GSAX. Edmonton, negative 3.26 GSAX. Vancouver -2.36 GSAX, LA -2.7 GSAX, Boston -0.91 GSAX, Vegas -2.2 new 2.62 2. GSAX.
0: Yeah. It hasn't like, hasn't been good. And I mean I I would have to update this, but after Friday's game, uh even so Anthony Stolars had a better so a better save percentage when you compare his expected Versus his actual to John Gibson, and you know he hasn't been the starter. He kind of he kind of gets maybe the softer games at times, but Anthony Stolar has been damn good this year. And at a minimum, at a minimum, he should just be playing more. Give John like John Gibson is one of those guys where when he's at his best, he can carry the team and he can he can put you in a different category in the standings by his play. What's happening now though is the opposite of that, the other side of this coin, which is that when he's not on his game he can bring you down in the standings because he's just he's he's burnt out or whatever. You got to keep you got to keep that engine running however you can and you have one of the best backup goalies in the NHL in Anthony Stolarz and you kind of just refuse to play him any more than just kind of your average backup. And I think that that's that's the big failure of the Ducks is that they've they have this great asset. They have this 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 great value in John Gibson. But they have no idea how to how to manage it and how to optimize it and how to get the most mm-hmm. out of him for the longest period of time.
1: Yep. Uh, and real quick, want to mention so since the Ulster break, negative fifteen point eight six GSAX, and <laughs> I want to mention this because Austin Price brought this up, and I think we do get new listeners all the time. And so he asked, "What stat is that exactly?" So this is GSAX per evolving hockey, which is goal saved above expected. And so you hear us mention expected goals all the time. What this does is picture expected goals kind of in reverse in some ways. So you're looking at the the expected goals that the team should have allowed and then looking at the actual goals. And so you can kind of backtrack, okay, this per the model that they use, This is how many goals the team should have allowed based upon the context of where the shots came from, some of the pre-shot environments that they can account for, and this is how many goals the team should have allowed. If a team should have allowed three, let's just say, expected goals against, and they actually allowed five, that's a negative two for that game, for that goalie. Right, right. And so what this is saying is that he's allowed 15.86 goals more than expected. So essentially... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, more than (laughs) than expected. So if you were playing... Replaced him with a goalie that was just straight up zero replacement level, right at expected. The Ducks would have allowed 15 less goals. Yeah, which is a huge difference. That es- I mean, especially 15, this time of year, 15 goals over one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. That that's two goals a game. Yeah, like you yeah. you you take two goals a game off. Some of those games were blowouts, so it doesn't really matter. But some of those games were tighter. And so you take two goals off in some of those games and it's a tighter game. The ducks have a better chance of winning. Um, and so, I mean, it's a big deal and it's a big deal. I mean, just for reference, he was on fire during that road trip. And so, um, I mean, this is my view of goaltending on the whole. And I think this is important to keep in mind. Goaltending streaky. Mm -hmm. There's going to be guys that have hot streaks. There's going to be guys that, and every, or every guy's going to have hot streaks. Every guy's going to have cold streaks. The thing is, the best goalies in the world can limit those cold streaks to a couple games, instead of being a run of five, six games. And the thing is, that's what we're running into with Gibson right now. Is this is a five, six game stretch mm-hmm. of just really poor play? Yeah. And eventually, it's gonna come out. He's gonna come out of it. He's gonna look like a world beater again. But the truly elite goalies are able to limit these types of stretches.
0: I mean, I, I feel like now we should all kind of acknowledge that, yes, he is extremely streaky and that, you know, the, this whole kind of yo-yo narrative that we're having where it's like, oh, well, when John Gibson is playing great, you have the people that come out of the woodwork and say, oh, can you believe that at any point John Gibson was criticized? How, how dare people ever point out that he was not good for a couple of years? And then when he kind of reverts back into the play we've seen, those people go quiet and it's just well, like, well, or, or well, people, it's it's the team the, in front of them or
1: what have you. It's a it's well, system or it's the flip side of the the torches and the pitchforks come out. And in reality, the answer lies somewhere in between. Yes, yes. And exactly. I think that that's the reality of a lot of this real quick before we kind of move on to other info, other stuff. Let's just really touch on the Boston game. And just because that was before well,
0: there's only one thing that matters. In that game. Exactly. Exactly. Trevor Ziegris. he is an absolute treat. I mean, forget the goal. The goal. I mean, the goal is amazing, but you know, it's it's just a great shot from the left flank. Uh, I mean, in a, I mean, you you can't you can't say the word clutch enough times to to describe that situation. Twenty two seconds left, but really, what it comes down to is the celebration, the celebration, the fist pump, down on one knee, right in front of the Boston bench. As soon as I saw him do that, it reminded me of his celebration in the World Juniors. I think it was against Russia, or was um, it Canada? I don't Maybe. remember. Where yeah. he celebrates right in front of their bench, you know, and that's why people get jealous or don't like Trevor Ziegler because he does stuff can, like that.
1: Can we also talk about the fact that did you hear this? Jamie Drysdale said this, yeah. I guess, on the the audio or the post game show on the radio feed. Um, but basically, Trevor went up to him and said, uh, "Give me the puck, I'm scoring." Yeah. On that power play. Yeah, And so, basically, when Drysdale got the puck, he knew to move it to, to Zegris, and then he finishes it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's yeah. just a ball, ballsy play, ballsy to call your shot. And, I mean, he's he's just a special talent. I don't think there's any other way to put it. I think he's someone that, obviously, there is still some development that needs to happen in his game. But he is one of the most special talents the Ducks have had in a very long time.
0: Yeah, and was it that game, or... No, it was the Vegas game where he took a he took a, a critical faceoff at the very end, and you could just hear Brian in Brian Hayward's oh, voice. Oh yeah, yeah, oh they're letting Zegers take the. It was just like oh no, it's like yeah, this is what development looks like. You you got to let him swim at, at some point, right, or try yep. to swim. But anyway, so it was a. I think they lost it and they still ended up with possession. They did. But so just add that moment, though, that Trevor Zegers goal to the list this season. I mean, how many
1: moments are we at now with him where
0: it's just he's able to captivate the audience?
1: That was kind of what we talked about last year and and how even in the poor season, they still had some moments. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the important things with this year was give fans a reason to care. Give them some moments. They've
0: they've done that this year.
1: No, No, I know. And that's my point is that how many times has Trevor Zegers done that this year? And that's a That is such an important thing, because how many kids are going to look back on the season, they're not going to remember whether they made the playoffs or not. They're going to remember Trevor Zegers throwing his stick into the the bench. They're going to remember Trevor Zegers flipping the puck over the net. They're going to remember Zegers scoring with 20 seconds left in the game. Yep. Those are the memories that you're going to have, and they're etched into your mind. And I mean, I can think back to when I was in college, and there was, I think it was just I think it was a regular season game where the Ducks came back and won, and Tamu uh, scored. I think it ended up being late in the game to win, and he was like jumping around. Same thing. Like those are what sticks out in your mind: Lubomir Vishnovsky's hat trick, where he scored the the game tying goal with like ten seconds left, and the overtime winner. Like these are the things that you want to happen because the you may not remember every bit of that entire season five, six, ten years down the line, but you're gonna sure as hell remember those moments. Right, exactly, and I also do want to point out in that
0: game and as a whole, I think that Jamie Drysdale has looked pretty good as of late. Um, People
1: can't say you're harp- you're uh, you're so negative on him anymore.
0: Well, I mean, it's just I'm watching him
1: play, and, and I know I
0: mean, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> I mean, he's making plays, right? And I think he yeah. is getting he's getting better slowly. It's not perfect, but he's getting he's getting better at once he's transitioning the puck into the offensive zone to make something happen with it, to get to the middle or to dump it off. It's interesting because if you look at all the tracking stats, he's one of the best guys on the team at, at gaining the offensive blue line. But then in terms of what actually happens next, which is, you know, sh- shots off of entries, he's he's far below average in that regard. So I think Jamie Drysdale is kind of figuring it out. I think that he's going to – I'm more confident now that he, there's – I guess I'm just a little higher on his potential now than I was at the beginning of the year. Because you just re- you weren't really seeing it a ton, right? It was just a lot of, okay, I'm going to wheel it all the way down the ice. I'm going to turn on the jets, but then don't really know what to do. And I think now the cerebral element of the game is clicking a bit more. And I'm, I'm just excited to see where it's going to go. Because, uh, I mean, if he can hit that potential as an elite transition guy and a guy who, I mean, is showing to be effective in the offensive zone, especially on the power play... With all the talent that the Ducks could conceivably have up front, that's just going to be a really fun team to watch.
1: So. Yeah, it it definitely is, and I think one of the biggest things is, I mean, he's still nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> not for long. Not for long. When you, is you, when is his you're birthday? Go, you're gonna be so happy when that. How do happens. I not have this memorized by now?
0: <laughs> uh, uh, no, April eighth. Holy crap! We're we're by the time you're listening to this, we're we're exactly a month away from Jamie Drysdale's birthday. Oh, I'm but, I'm more excited than he is. I'm more <laughs> excited
1: than he is for his birth for his own birthday. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. But, no, but, but they like, there's a lot of room for growth. And and that's an important thing to remember there is that, that that's when, and, and when we, I, and his numbers have also been better. Like they're yeah. not great.
0: They're, they're still like, they're, they're not what you would like, especially playing with the guy next to Hampus Lindholm, who supposedly is this elite defenseman, but the numbers are improving slightly. And that's also encouraging.
1: Yep. Um, all right. Want to move on to uh, some trade rumors, Pat Verbeek talk? Well, let, let's
0: let's dip in a little bit just to the the free agents because we're going to get asked about this, I would imagine, a lot once we get to questions. So yep. let's let's try to get some of the basics out of the way. Let's start with the biggest name, the one we've talked about the most this year, Hampus Lindholm. So I mean, we've already kind of known this, but it just keeps getting reiterated on different podcasts. But that the Ducks don't want to. Don't want to give Lindholm the term. They don't want to. They don't want to do the crazy well, mega deal.
1: So what? And I think here's the important thing. What Elliot Friedman said today, on or I guess yesterday when they recorded, but on 32 thoughts that came out today, he said that the thing for the Ducks is with all of their free agents, they don't, they do not want to give out term, mm-hmm. and that is the big sticking point. And he's like, maybe they'll make an exception for Lindholm because they like him the most. But he's like, that is the biggest thing for the Ducks. Is they but, he, are... but he
0: also he also added that he still can't really see it with yeah. making the exception. So
1: Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. And this is the important thing to remember. And this is what I've said with Lindholm, just kind of looking at contracts, right? Because I think that's an important thing to look at. And I think with some of the discussion that's happened lately on Lindholm, it's, I think, really informed where I think this is going to go. Um, but I think if you're Lindholm, the starting point in any negotiation with the Ducks is the Cam Fowler contract. Right. Which was eight times six and a half. That is the starting point, And then it goes up from there because Lindholm has been used as the number one defenseman really over the last however many years with Fowler being the number two. And I don't think and whether you want to dispute that's right over the last couple of years. But prior to that, Lindholm was better than than Fowler. I think pre Aikens coming in and with usage, Lindholm has been up there. And then you also factor in UFA and, and inflation into this when Fowler signed that deal, I think it was 2016 or 2017, and the cap's gone up since then. I think it's gone up by four or five million since then, and then the market's also gone up along with that. Defensemen are getting a whole lot more. I think when Fowler signed six and a half million was a whole hell of a lot.
0: Yeah let's, um, let's see. So the, so it would have been
1: 8.67 percent
0: of, I guess the cap at the time when, he, when Fowler signed his
1: deal. And we're so, at what, 81 and a half now?
0: So nine would be actually would nine be above ten percent of what the cap is now? So
1: Yeah, yeah. So it would be about seven mil or so now. So in, in, in the current deal.
0: So yeah, so I mean that's
1: kind of the baseline for, yeah. for Hampelson Home. Eight eight times seven. And, and so if that's the baseline, that's the starting point for him. And I think it goes up from there when you compare yourself to the market value that Seth Jones got. And with and people may think that's crazy, but And he doesn't have the production, but look at the way people are talking about him. Yeah, like exactly. like That's kind of what's informed my opinion on this. Look at the way Friedman's talked about him. Look Mm -hmm. at the way Merrick's talked about him. Look at the way I was listening to the Chris Johnson show today. Look at how he talks about him and the fact that he is the number one rental if he's available. The the, 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 the perception is that he is an elite defenseman. Ahead of Claude Giroux.
0: Like, that,
1: that Lindholm would be the number one rental on the market. And... I think all of that kind of goes to show that if that's the perception because these guys aren't just getting aren't aren't coming up with that information on their own. These insiders get fed information by by people. And so that that may be in some ways their opinion on the player, but it's well informed from other people in the know. And so if that's what they're being told then Lindholm is going to get in the $8 million range, 8 to $9 million range probably, at seven years. I think that that easily could happen on the open market. And so if you're him, why would you not, like what would make it where you would sign for the Ducks, right? Exactly. like that, And the, the only thing yeah. is getting the eighth year. And so he probably wants eight years for eight and a half mil. Well, and I think that's why you can easily say, confidently
0: say that Lindholm won't be, won't be a duck past the trade deadline because it's like just put the blocks together right term like like you said he can he can go out and get this amazing deal on the open market
1: the The only only the only leverage the ducks have is the eight years
0: well that's what i'm saying so that's what i'm getting that's what i'm getting with this is that the only thing that could make it worth it for him comparatively to stay with the ducks is if like that's their only lever is that extra year And if the Ducks don't want to give him that extra year, because we've heard over and over that term is important, then how could you see this ever actually happening, right? It just seems completely incongruent. And of course, this could all be BS. This could all just be posturing from both sides. But I think that there's enough there to say, okay, the positions here are so at odds with each other that I don't know how it ends up happening. The Ducks would have to... It feels like the only way that they can make it worth it and not give him all that term is to pay him a like grossly
1: overpay on the aav and i just i don't think they're gonna do that either well right? and what would you have to do to really make that worth it right exactly you, you, you got to think he would be getting let's just say he gets that seven times 8.5 that's 59 and a half million if he ends up getting uh let's just say a five-year deal right mm-hmm. that's a 12 million dollar deal 12 <laughs> yeah. million dollar aav it's just like, you're not you're
0: not doing that like it's no it's
1: crazy and, and he's and here's the other issue with the eight eight years. He's 28. He'll be 36 by the time that like, deal. How down. many how many examples of
0: defensemen aging poorly do we need? Players aging poorly on these mega deals. Do we need to realize that maybe you shouldn't do them, especially when you're negotiating against yourself in a way? There's no other. There are no other teams like you. Like you were texting this to me before we were recording. But if you really want Hampus Lindholm, try to get him in the summertime. Like yeah. trade him. Get the assets. And then take a run at him when he's a UFA.
1: Yep, and like you, like you, you could have the potentially the best of both worlds. You're running the risk, and I don't think that would happen with Lindholm because once again, terms the issue. So mm-hmm. da, that seems more likely a situation with Manson and Raquel. Sure, but 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 the point just being no, that I, it, yes, yes, yeah,
0: it just doesn't make any sense. I I I don't think Hampus Lindholm is going to be a duck for past the trade deadline.
1: No, I don't. I mean, yeah, painful light brings up look at the example of uh, Vlasic in San Jose. I mean, that's and that's been a comp for Hampus Lindholm for years, right? Is yeah. the
0: defensive defensive defenseman. And it's just yeah. Now, there's also been chatter. I mean, do you have anything else in Lindholm? Uh,
1: I don't really think a whole lot more. I I think the return could be massive though. That I'm starting to settle in on the return for Lindholm could be big. Yep. Yep, and then Josh Which Manson. is all the more reason to, tr- to trade him.
0: Yep. And so Manson, I mean, the rumor today from Fra- Frank Valley is that there's just not a lot of chatter and that maybe he's the guy that the Ducks end up keeping. I don't know if I'm missing anything there, but that's that's the gist of it,
1: and you disagree. You think that it's just because he's been hurt, that there's not much yeah, chatter. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I think that the injury probably quiets the chatter. One thing that's also been was brought up, I think by Chris Johnson today on his show, was a lot, of the, a lot of it's really quiet right now because if you're a team in the market for a rental, you're typically going to be uptight against the cap, and you're really trying to maneuver that cap. So the closer that you can get to the deadline, the more accrued cap space you can get prior to acquiring that guy. Mm-hmm. So especially with Manson being hurt, why would you trade for him right now when you can't use him and have that cap added to your cap sheet?
0: Yeah. So no, all- yeah. So, the, so the whole quiet narrative, like, because the additional comment was just, oh, he's the maybe the defenseman likelier to re-sign with the Ducks. It's like, well, yeah, sure. Like, we all know, like, we've known this for a long time, that if you're going to say who's likelier to stay, it's probably Manson because well, he's yeah. not going to break the bank the way that Lindholm
1: is. And it sounds like uh, family-wise he wants to stay. Yeah, and like, it, it sounds
0: like he's probably not going to play hardball to on his contract like Lindholm is.
1: Yeah, but even having said that, I would, like, if that's the case, even more of a reason to trade him and just sign in the offseason.
0: Yeah, because he would be willing. He might be more open to that.
1: Yeah, and so you can even tell him, hey, if you want to be here long term, this helps us long term. This gives you a chance at a cup. Yeah, Sure, you have to go away from your family for a couple months. Well, and that it, also gives,
0: it also gives you a better chance at a cup here long
1: term. Yeah, <laughs> like this is a win-win where if you're a GM that is cerebral, it's an easy sell to your player of, mm-hmm. hey, you like it here. Hey, we, we want to bring you back. Like this, like, this is such an easy, easy situation for that. And same thing with Raquel. I, I think that Raquel is, could also get a lot on the open market. Um, Actually, Raquel's the one I have the best idea for both contract and trade. Because mm-hmm. he's basically Tyler Toffoli at this point. In terms of production, yeah. In terms of production. And that is what matters for all of yeah. this, right? Yep. I mean, yeah, like, that's... Except he, for defensemen. <laughs> the year that Tally Toffoli was traded from the Kings to the the Canucks, um, he uh, Toffoli was on pace for just slightly less goals than Raquel is on right now on a goals-per-game pace, and they're basically spot on the same exact points per game. Yeah, So and, and Raquel's hot right now. So Yeah, Raquel's hot going into the deadline. Yeah, and I think with...
0: The, uh, circling back to Manson a little bit, though, Go I will it. say that, that he's been... I think he's been the i mean he's been better than Lindholm this year like i think he's having he's having a quietly solid season like nothing's nothing special nothing nothing outstanding nothing that you want to sign him to a significant contract to but he has been quietly effective and i don't know how much longer that can last with kind of his his injury history and and just the way that the ducks roster i mean how long can he stay tethered to, to cam fowler but like I mean, he, he he's he's a guy who, if you re, if if you're willing, if he's willing to stay on for a team friendly deal, it's probably the one I feel maybe the least anxious about, just because I think that that I don't know, I just feel like that there's less room for disaster there than like, there is. If with, he like, ended Lindholm.
1: up signing a deal at, for like three times three, and was oh, your yeah. was your third line or third pairing defenseman, third pairing right right hand shot defenseman. In a lot of ways, he's been above replacement level
0: this season, and so yeah. if if you're getting that maybe a little less than that for
1: three years like that's that's fine like yeah that's you could do I mean, a lot worse i stand by my point i wouldn't extend him to that right now i mean his well, market value is at 2.2 per same, but, the athletic
0: but but you know we all kind of have to have that in the back of our heads of okay well if someone is staying around if it does happen yeah who are you most comfortable and for me it's it's probably manson not so much because of the player but just because of the cost the kind of the the cost benefit perspective yeah of it.
1: that's fair that's fair. So, um, and then anything you want to add on Raquel? I mean, he's hot at the perfect time. I think he's getting I, traded, and there's just not a whole lot else I mean, to it. This is now, his value. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a new trade bait list posted on March 2nd, and Ricard Raquel is 10th on that list. Hampus Lindholm is 14th. Josh Manson is also on the list at 15th. And then also down in, like, the 40s. 46th is Nick Delorier.
0: If they don't trade him, what are they doing?
1: Yeah. Like right, I mean he's scoring goals, he's wearing the A. Do right? you trade do you trade Sam Carrick? Does Sam Carrick have an, any value to be traded?
0: I do wonder about that cuz I guess my wonder is just what's his per, what's the perception league wide yeah. about him? Like Agreed. is he just is he just another fourth liner to most NHL teams cuz I don't think a lot of NHL teams are looking at I mean I yeah. don't know how many NHL teams, how much they're valuing his underlying numbers because yep. he has been good and he's been good for the Ducks. And you could probably get him back in Anaheim for a pretty cheap deal and just have a cheap, good fourth liner around. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I just don't know really what you could get for him. It just we just don't know. Maybe he yeah. has higher value than a Nick DeLorean and we just haven't heard about it.
1: Yep. And I guess speaking of analytics really quickly uh, before we move on to questions, because we'll yep. do that soon, seeing as we're over an hour in. Um, but uh, there was uh, Q and a with Pat Verbeek with the orange Alliance members and Eric Stevens there and kind of reported back some quotes. Um, And also we got some information from our good friend, Bonnie, who was also there about this. And so, I mean, one of the things that stuck out was essentially, I mean, what you could imagine would stick out to me is the analytics portion of it and how yep. it didn't feel like it was just lip service. Um, It's something that Verbeek said was a uh, high on, or in his high, uh, He's got his yeah, high I focus can, on. I can,
0: I can read the quote here. I have Go it for right it. Me. Yeah, he said, analytics are, are clearly something I have a high focus on. You can really use it well along with coaching and the scouting aspects. I think you can merge them in such a way that will be beneficial, not just in finding players, but helping players develop their game. Analytics also play a key part in contracts. In a cap world, you're trying to find the best value you can for players. We're looking to improve our sports science department analytics and sports science will go hand in hand to help us understand what a player's potential is to get stronger and to physically improve his skating ability and things like that so to me the big key distinction here between what you've heard the likes of bob murray and other GMs say about analytics is that you kind of get the lip service of well they're i mean you bob murray has been on the record saying well analytics are a tool right they're a tool but i'm an eyeballs guy blah blah you've heard him say this and it's kind of just lip service, right? Whereas, or it's, it's just, it's a little abstract with Pat Verbeek, He's telling you here, like specifically where analytics help and in Mm -hmm. what way. And I mean, he brings up the cap perspective and how this is what allows you to identify value contracts and also talking about with coaching and scouting. Like, like, yes, these are things that are happening every day in the hockey world where I mean you're seeing it with scouting, right? And guys like Byron Bader and how much, Draft analytics and prospect analytics have changed the way that we can forecast who's going to be good and who's not going to be. And on the flip side of that with coaching, right? We've, yeah. we've been harping on that all season. And so I think that if you're a Ducks fan, hearing what Pavrobic is saying here, you have to be ecstatic because this is exactly what this organization has needed for, for the better part of the last decade, really, is yeah. just to have an information based evidence-based approach to decision-making that's beyond just what do my eyes tell me because yep. it's a fast-moving game there's a lot happening you can be a grizzled veteran you you can be a hockey lifer like bob murray but you're just not like it's just well, the human cognitive bandwidth only goes so far you can't catch everything and that's where analytics really show their value
1: and finding the value especially on um, like the fourth line like when think about like a guy like sam Kerr. If yeah. he ends up getting moved, if you don't resign him, the way that you fill in that talent is by using your looking at some numbers and utilizing those to help you uh, identify players that could be good fits. Not looking at the uh, Derek Grants, not looking at the Nick Deloreas, finding different players to fill those roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, and, and it's it's
0: it's understanding things from a cost value uh, ratio, which is important as well. Because I think with Bob Murray, there was always kind of this weird like it never the numbers never made sense for these contracts right when you're signing when you're going out to get guys like nick delorier Derek Rand, and it's just so anyway it's just good news be happy about it. Is what i would say yep it it, it bodes well for the future and you know assuming that for example jeff solomon stays in in the fold like it just seems like the ducks are getting smarter very rapidly
1: yep yep agreed all right time for some questions or anything else Uh, I do want to
0: ask. So the NHL trade deadline is March 21st. So we are, let's see, two weeks, two weeks away. Oh boy. We're, we're, I'm just going to be feverishly checking my phone every day for the next two weeks, I guess.
1: Oh, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. The ducks go on a road trip right now. They get back the week before the deadline. I forget which I think the first home game is a week from Friday. What happens first? The ducks trade someone off the team or they get back from the road trip oh wow uh
0: give me the trade give me the trade okay give me the fun option
1: yeah um all right so we'll get into some questions so we're gonna start with our discord uh fabulous people at discord um or was there anything else you wanted to say about the deadline no i think i think i think i've got everything we'll we'll plug the patreon in a little bit but uh travi bear asked us uh while we were recording last week and it's still relevant Um, do you guys know, or uh, how do you guys think the Russia Ukraine situation is going to affect Russian prospects? And so actually as of today, well, with their ability to come over and especially within the the draft tracking, it was announced today that there was going to be a severance of ties essentially between the KHL and the NHL. And so it probably means that it's going to be tougher to have the guys from the KHL come over.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be very difficult as long as this is persisting. Yep, so so that, yeah. that's
1: kind of really the answer to it. Uh, Darko Theory asks, out of D'Lo, Grant, and Carrick, how many get traded? D'Lo is bringing up the value, which is nice. I expect him to, uh, to go at least, and the rest of the line has look good without him. So out of those three, how many do you think get traded?
0: That's a good question because I don't know. Derek Grant is an interesting one because he's got a year after this, and how much of an axe does Pat Verbeek want to take to this roster right now? You still got to finish out the season. You still need bodies. I would guess that out of those three, just Delorier get traded. i I'm think going go w- with w- one out of the three.
1: I w- the answer that the question was just how many. I'm gonna go with two. Oh, okay. You're going two. I'm gonna go. On, I'm going with one. Okay. Sharbino said, "With Drysdale impressing recently, will Felix eat crow?" <sighs> so, I just want to say this.
0: I never said that Drysdale was never gonna be good. I never said. In fact, I said the opposite. I always said that there's potential there, blah blah blah. I was just saying, look, the results so far are uh, like abominable. That's all I've ever said, and um, I'm not gonna eat crow. There's no need. Like everything is playing out how I how I
1: said. All right. Shaking Wing says, what do you think Terry Terry and Zegers will end up point-wise, and what would uh, Zegers end up with if Akins knew how to use him properly?
0: Yeah. How many more points would Trevor Zegers have?
1: Yeah. Um, So let's see. Troy Terry currently has 49 points in 53 games, Zegers at 42 in 52. How many do they end up with?
0: Uh, so I think with Troy Terry, he doesn't get a lot of assists, so that's kind of tough. Maybe that maybe that rebounds mm-hmm. at some point. Yep. I'm going to go with is 65 too much for for Terry. I'm going to go with 70 for Terry. Terry, okay, 70, fine. And then with Segris, I think 60 is realistic.
1: I'm going to go 65. Okay, there you go. I'm just going to keep one up in you.
0: That's fine. When's Max Jones coming back? Feels like it's going to be soon.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It should be soon. Shaking yeah. said, "Uh, and does uh their uh, probable point total come close to your? Oh, does this probable point total come close to your early, uh, early season expectations? I think
0: it does actually. For I think Zegers, it, exce- it exceeds well, for, it. I think for, for Zegera sixty is kind of. I think I had said fifty to sixty. Yeah, I think um, that's
1: where we both stood. And I think I think Terry, we were thinking forty to fifty yeah. range.
0: So that, I mean Terry's blowing it out of the water. Yeah."
1: So um Briz said with a team like the rangers interested in lindholm and raquel what are the chances they are packaged together and what would a return look like
0: well we had a long talk about this last week uh, yep. capo caco you, you want capo caco i don't think there's a no, chance in hell no
1: way no way it would happen but why that's would the would.
0: rangers do that is my question because they're low on him and scratching him are they really yeah he's but not still, playing that much but, but still he's one of your best prospects and sure. you're giving him up for two re- for, for two rentals, rentals.
1: Well, I mean, maybe they think they can re- sign Lindholm to that eight-year deal.
0: Yeah, I guess. I guess that's not a bad point. But, yeah, I, I, I guess I – so I, I made a hypothetical trade.
1: Yeah, Kakos uh, played 37 games this year.
0: I said I said Raquel for a first in Braden Schneider. Probably high, probably a little too much. Yeah. But, but you know, it's, it's, it's always how it is. When you throw a hypothetical th- a trade out on Twitter, you get the opposing team's fans that just invade – as in, I've learned, as I learned lead. last year with the Leafs. Yeah, I had the Rangers fans just, like, talking shit to me for 24 hours, basically. I had to mute a lot of people. But anyway, um, I don't know, like, what the Rangers... I, I guess what I've learned is that the Rangers aren't trading anyone, like, like from that... Like, no one of note uh, from from that whole exchange. But the Rangers have a lot of younger players. I'm sure that they're willing to give up draft picks, so... But Capo Caco would be an interesting... Uh, mm-hmm interesting mm-hmm. addition mm-hmm. I don't see it happening
1: though Uh, JJ Stone drums just asked how are you guys doing doing great doing great trade deadlines coming up this is my favorite time of year I know it is and it's I, lo- fun. I love it I love I, it well I, I'm particularly excited
0: for this one because mm-hmm. I in the past couple of years there's just always been that kind of you know there's the letdown potential with Bob Murray and this year I feel like we're finally we're finally gonna get rewarded for for the misery
1: yeah. So Kempafu asks, I know you guys have been uh, off the line A train since he went to Columbus, but 32 Thoughts talked about him potentially not returning to Columbus. Do you think the Ducks would go after him to, or the Ducks going after him would make sense? A 23, 20, uh, turning 24 pure sniper seems to be something the Ducks are missing. He may be too expensive, though. Yeah.
0: I, my Patrick line A stance has uh, yet to change, which is that he is exactly that. He is a pure sniper and does practically nothing else for you. Like doesn't drive play at all. Um, is bad oh, defensively. Boy, yeah. I mean, this is who he's always been, and it's so it's just hilarious to me that it just hasn't really changed. And it'll ebb and it'll flow, but like last season, I mean he was terrible last season. So I no, he's just a guy who's too flawed for me. He would only make sense he would only make sense if you're injecting him into like let's say a Boston, where you can completely insulate him and you can really maximize that shot. I don't know if the ducks are there yet. And so that's, I would just stay away.
1: Yep. Uh, agreed completely there, especially with what he's going to end up making. Like it's the value, what he's going to end up getting is not going to be worth, uh, worth it at all. Nope. Um, let's see. Let's go to quick uh, Twitter questions. And then we'll hit the Twitch chat uh, question for the pod. This comes from Justin Beck. Assuming we move all three UFAs, to the deadline, what types of prospects Wolverbeak target forwards, defensemen are just best available. And what would you guys do?
0: So I think that, I mean, Verbeek has talked about how he wants the team to get stronger, harder to play against. Like, that's the brand of hockey that he wants. But I don't think that that's really, like, position-specific. I mean, if you, if you look at, the, if you look at the, the, the pool of talent, I mean, the Ducks have a lot of guys at every position. So I think it's just going to be best available or just whoever is the most alluring of them. But I don't know if position is going to be the huge determining factor. Maybe yeah, I'm wrong I, about that. I,
1: I think you just get best available and then see if you can maybe flip some of them to get Jacob Chikrin. I'm staying on that bandwagon.
0: There's also the whole thing of the college free agents for the Ducks, which we haven't talked about yet. But that, True. Yeah.
1: That was so, a Patreon question. Do we want to just talk about that briefly now?
0: No, we're honoring the Patreon
1: question. Okay. But, so I we'll mean, we, but
0: we did get word that Verbeek was scouting the Ducks. College well, guys, and, and
1: he specifically mentioned signing some of those guys, and there are some. I think, yeah, Thrun and Lacombe are probably the two highest profile ones.
0: Yeah, I mean that's like I think you 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 want to you want to lock them all down because the Ducks don't I mean, have like that's, those. Are, that's it. That's their D pipeline.
1: I mean, those are two that legitimately could potentially make the jump to the NHL next season.
0: Yeah, like you need like you need those guys in your pipeline, and I know Olin Zellberger is great, but he's a he's a ways out still yeah exactly
1: like the ducks are kind of thin if, if you lose both of those guys yeah um so trevor zegris at Ziegris trevor on twitter sent me a dm saying what prospect are you most intrigued by the possibility of getting at the deadline nick robertson
0: yeah i, I mean i guess like of uh, who's available yeah sure let's go nick robertson
1: yep there you go nick i robertson. didn't even know
0: he was jason robertson's brother
1: until today did you really That's bad, isn't it? That's really bad. Yeah. Well, shame on me, I guess. Yeah. Real big shame on you. (laughs) Um, all right. So now it's time for the Twitch chat. Uh, so for those of you watching us on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash crash the pond. There's a YouTube comment that we'll get to later also. Um, or listen to your faith on your favorite podcast services we do a live stream of the show each and every time at twitch.tv slash crash where you can watch with us live uh you can watch us when we kind of get through all the questions go to the crazy shit show portion of this uh the show you can also support us if you, if you have amazon prime you get one free twitch prime gaming sub each and every month um and with that you help support the show more than you can imagine you can be just like uh pc main who resubscribed for two months as uh, saying hat time dark with their resub for 10 months raquel's T uh resub for 15 months and the womb raider uw has subscribed also so thank you so much to all of you so the first question we've got comes from uh awesome price 529 realistically who do you think is the head coach for the ducks next season
0: Ooh, that is a good question and don't also,
1: think... as, also assuming Akins is gone, uh, do you think he would stay in the organization, but perhaps return to the goals or player development?
0: I mean, do we think he's good at those things? I I think player if he's gone,
1: he's I think if he's gone, he's gone.
0: Yeah, same. Uh, well, I'll start with this. I don't think it'll be Dallas Akins. Number one, I don't think it'll be any of the guys from San Diego. I I think that it's not going to be Joel Bouchard or any of that staff. Agreed. So, at that point, it's you know I could see Pat Verbeek going a little off this off the off the script, and going with a guy that maybe we're not thinking about at all right now, like not a not a revolving door kind of retread guy. Yeah, that would that would be I, yeah. my guess. Like I it, honestly, it, yeah, it, no, but I mean, I'm I'm saying like I don't we don't really know of ties that he has to like bigger name coaches, so I would guess it'll be something someone we're not really expecting.
1: Yep, I would agree with that. Uh, the Alex Jones asked, question, not really a question, I guess, but if you had to pick a surprise player to get dealt at the deadline, who could you see?
0: I think Derek Grant would be my surprise one because we legitimately haven't talked about him at all. Yeah. But but he seems to be valued, and he's got a year left, so maybe that boosts his value a little bit. He's cheap. He wins face-offs, supposedly. So that would be my surprise one.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, Sith Lord Buscemi asked, what's your realistic deadline haul? Uh, three, three first-round picks. Is that realistic? Do you think yeah. they're getting a
0: first-round pick for Raquel? Yeah. Okay.
1: I I think it's a first-round pick, or you get a second and a prospect.
0: Okay, so let's call it three firsts.
1: Yeah, I think or in that range, whether that ends up, that's kind of the value. I, at least three firsts, because Lindholm will get you more than that. Yeah. By the way, the coach of the Ducks will not be Marty St.
0: Louis. Please. Like people are, people have been using that against me lately. <laughs> Why are you trying to take the only joy I have in this world right now? Please.
1: The pain flight this. asks, uh, has Lundstrom usurped Grant's role as the elite one C?
0: I mean, okay. Yes. Let me, let, I know how to take this question. So yes, he has replaced Derek Grant in the guy who's least deserving of the
1: hype that he gets. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think in that context, it's the, it makes sense. Um, JJ stone drum says question. If you met an alien from a different universe, what's the first meal snack, dessert and drink you give them? Uh, water,
0: uh, meat, just like the basics. You know, they got to They got to understand the fundamentals before we, we move on to the complicated stuff. All
1: right. I'm going to go with first meal. I'm going to give them pizza. Snack, I'm going to give them a bowl of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Ugh.
0: Dessert. You really really want them to, like, destroy the planet, don't you? Dessert.
1: Dessert, I'm going to give them a Cinnabon. And drink, I'm going to give them a Passion Wolf Hazy IPA.
0: Wow. This is like the Jake All-Stars.
1: Hey, you... The question was... I said water and meat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) water and meat i let you off the hook to be the yeah jj stone drum says be
0: specific okay hold on so l- let's go through it again it was what meals to, what, what, meal what kinda, snack dessert and drink meal snack dessert okay meal probably something with steak like you know potatoes just kind of like a nice hearty meal uh and then snack hmm i don't really snack Almonds,
1: cashews,
0: <laughs> Drake. Oh, sparkling water. That's
1: good. Everyone likes sparkling water. I, I'll say this. Eat my Aston Reese. Great name. Uh, gave me a 10 out of 10 for my list. And then uh, dessert. Let's give him some chocolate ice cream. There you go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, let's see. CJKHL says guesses on the Ducks reverse retro jersey for next season. I don't think it'll be Wild Wing. No, I don't think so. I mean, what are the options, right? I think it'll be a Jade. Um, you know what I could see them bringing? I could what, see them doing that WordScript Anaheim jersey
0: in orange and black. Oh, that would be so lame. Um, what I could see them doing is the fourth jersey from, like, what was it, 1998? Yeah, 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 with the silver shoulders. And do that in, like, an orange and black, maybe?
1: Yeah. I could see it
0: maybe that maybe that's too similar to the current alternate but I could I could see them bringing that one or just doing a jade uh home so you know you just reverse the the original eggplant jade
1: home and just go full jade yeah and I think it's going to be the Anaheim script going origin block why do you I think find that I don't why know. do you think that I don't know <laughs> okay I I just think Let's, it's going to be uh, that and I'm going to hate we, it
0: we need to move on from this I'm not a big, uh, it's funny. When I was a kid, I used to think that was a great Jersey. And same, now, and now same.
1: when I see it, I'm just like, there's nothing cool about this. jersey." same, same agreed. Uh, peace. <laughs> We're probably going to get hate for that one. By the way, poker Puck <laughs> subscribed. Also, uh, PC main said, when does Zgris, uh, captaincy begin and do the ducks roll back to the mighty ducks logo with this changeup? You know, that's not an awful idea. Cause Zgris has always said like, he's a fan of the mighty ducks Jersey.
0: Yeah. I mean, multiple players in the team have said that, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, whenever Getzlaff retires, and then it's going to be a matter of what kind of captain they want next. So it could happen as soon as next season, potentially.
1: Uh, JJ Jones, uh, JJ Stone Drum says, I think it's just going to be a big picture of Jake's face on the jersey. I I really hope not. I really hope not. Um. Oh, Tybo the Fiend Blooded said, I don't know. Follow much wrestling. What is AEW? Oh, boy. AEW is the best wrestling there is right now. I think, I think he's great. just asking for what AEW stands for. Uh, All Elite Wrestling. And okay. it, has, on. it is on TBS and TNT. It is the uh, they don't competitor need, they to don't, WWE. They, they don't need, your, they it, don't need it, you
0: it, to, it, to plug them, by the way. it's
1: very. Inter- I'm plugging it for the greater good of everyone because everyone should be watching AEW. Revolution was fantastic. It was long. It was fun. Great storytelling. Wrestling's great okay all right let's let's move on from see that. Any- wait Ty the fiend blood it says I want to know what it is no yeah. do you don't why <laughs> why we don't need that we don't need that just, in our lives just watch it it's every Wednesday night is dynamite at 8 p.m Pacific uh Friday nights are rampage it's really fun <laughs> I'm just punching <laughs> air right now I'm actually punching myself Pain- painful light like, says Felix needs the power
0: to mute Jake when wrestling comes up well, it's not that i want to mute you i just i just want you to understand that this topic is just hey, doesn't doesn't resonate people ask me the question
1: <laughs> uh okay uh i yeah the uh of the fiend blood it says he likes watching you squirm I, you know eh,
0: i don't know why that's a thing but it is it is um, what it is. all right so i think it's that time oh yes Le- Let's I, start feel, with- I feel like <laughs> you know, it's just it's, this is like a reward for being – We've been pretty on task today. Oh, we got a question. Late hitter.
1: What Late was hitter. it? Oh, the- question from 91Plutie. What are the highest draft odds you think the Ducks can finish this year? As in odds Ooh. for 10th, uh, first overall. I predict we can Ooh. finish as bad as ninth highest odds. I don't know because I- they kind of keep winning these games and it's like – I think the highest is like 10th, especially once they move guys out. Mm-hmm. I think 10th highest.
0: Once they do. Okay. I mean, we've established we think they're getting dull. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Got him. Got him a little bit there. Okay. Got him. Wobble.
1: What do you think?
0: Okay. Uh, Yes, it is that time. It's time for recess,
1: basically. Yeah. So we we got some uh, places brought up in Twitch that I'll get to, but we're going to be starting with Island Lake, Manitoba. Wait, didn't you say you had a YouTube comment you wanted to talk about? Oh, do we want to I was going to do that after.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, did, do do whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah. We're, Island we're, Lake we're, Manitoba? Island Lake Manitoba. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Let's why see. I, why am I clicking on the Wikipedia page? Uh Where where is this? Where is where did Lou take us this week? Yeah, I don't I don't trust him. There's a KFC in this town. I'm already oh, this, skeptical.
1: This this is pretty distant. The fact that there's a KFC is Honestly, well, no. Impressive. So the, K- the KFC
0: is between Island Lake and Garden Hill. Actually, let's check the address of the KFC. It is officially in Island Lake, so I will eat crow there. Um, yeah, this is a freaking remote. Holy, this this is like in
1: the Arctic Circle, practically. A lot of good three point eight. A lot of four stars review. Four star reviews. You want to read a KFC review? Well, uh, let's, was let's, was okay. They just need more staff. For, from four <laughs> days ago. Wow. Wow, that's the high high
0: traffic. I guess at this. Uh, my favorite one is this one though. From There's Lee, no street view from Lee Little. Four star, four stars out of five of this KFC. Very nice taste. That's it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I can't. I can't even do street view here.
0: There is a oh, there is an ice rink. There is an arena in Island Where? Lake. though. Where? It's, it's the Garden Hill K C Arena.
1: Why is, am I not? Oh, it's not it. a rink. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Appears
0: it appears to be a rink. It does. Wow. So Par- it either- hard,
1: you, it's hard to find a place to park there, though.
0: <laughs> park? Park? What exactly? Your your jet ski or not jet ski? But uh, what's this? The, the snow, snowmobile? Snow? Snow? Why did I say jet ski? <laughs> Oof! Oof! My Canadian car just <laughs> put it in the shredder. It appears that there's like an outdoor rink, though. Interesting. If you go to Garden Hill High School, they have an outdoor rink. And they, I mean, I look, it's definitely cold enough there. Wow, that's kind of cool. But there is nothing in this town. I mean, there's literally a KFC and an ice rink, and that's it. Like, I yeah. I don't. And then, but so, okay, this is weird because there's there's like a little island that's connecting to it, and Stephenson there is an island. There is an island Lake Northern
1: Store, which is listed officially as a shopping mall. There is an Island Lake Airport over yeah. on stevenson island stevenson so, island can't even get their own airport it's called island lake airport wow yeah
0: th- this is just so remote that it's like kind of depressing
1: yeah let's see the shopping mall oh there's so much snow wait <laughs> there's a pizza hut and a kfc here at the back yeah i'm i'm getting mixed signals on where this
0: this pizza hut and kfc is actually located yeah i feel like i'm being jerked around by, right. by the by the people of island lake
1: austin price said cold lake alberta
0: <laughs> okay. I like that so, name. It's by Kinosu Beach.
1: This is like the most northern tip of like actual like roadways. Yeah. Uh there's a waterfront harbor bed and breakfast I mean, breakfast.
0: this is this is too nice. This is too yeah. nice. I mean let's there's see. Johnny well, Waffles on the water. Wow. Let's yeah, look the, at the
1: street street view here. Of
0: what? What are there's we doing?
1: I I don't know. I'm just I'm just going for a nice stroll around uh, Cold Lake. <laughs> Cold Lake.
0: Yeah, there's that- a north there's a North Pizza and what is it called? North Pizza and Yogan Fruzz. What is Yogan Fruzz? Is that supposed to be something?
1: Where? I have no idea where So you're in this about.
0: town there is a store or a restaurant called Northside Pizza and Yogan Fruzz.
1: There's a Mamacita's Mexican food.
0: Hold on. I need to know what yogan Fruz means. I'm Googling this. I, I still don't see this I oh it, this it's like a company oh okay wow so the, <laughs> so the pizza the pizza restaurant shares a location with a yogurt frozen yogurt place okay yogan Fruz. okay maybe that that makes more sense
1: yeah here we go we've got a uh, climax saskatchewan climax okay this Just comes from uh 91 pluto who said aka Felix's favorite city make of that what you will I,
0: I, no comment um it's actually the village of climax so oh why is it called climax is it like on the top or the tip of something or like like i just <laughs> holy this is this is just off the border this is of, dirt roads oh second really? avenue's dirt oh that's kind of nice why is that nice well no but you know it's like that's that's a that's a nice feather in our cap we don't we haven't had any dirt roads
1: yeah, I think this is the first dirt road that I've seen. The Are the, you sure the, this is dirt? It, when you go to 2nd Second, Second Street, it's definitely dirt. I'm on
0: 2nd Avenue. Was there a 2nd Street and a 2nd Avenue? I, yeah, no, 2nd
1: Avenue. 2nd Avenue was definitely dirt. That doesn't look like dirt 90, to me. 91 Plutie's like, this is a letter, Kenny. Definitely. My, fa- it's my favorite thing no, is- No, this, the- this is 100% dirt. My favorite thing
0: is that there's a Climax Brewing. Guys, please in the <laughs> twitch chat confirm that this is dirt that we're looking at. I just so there's a there's a brewing company or or a brewery called Climax Brewing and I feel like if I oh, it's not open yet. Interesting. I feel like if I got drunk at this place, I would just be walking around just saying there's a Climax Brewing like just over and over again. Like I just couldn't help myself. So,
1: anyway. This is definitely dirt. Second <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: just stuck on the dirt roads thing?
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, there's the climax community museum. Oh, oh, no okay. reviews. There's yeah, an aqua. Wait, there's an aquatic center. <laughs> How?
0: Yeah, don't really understand. Okay. I I want to see the photos. Oh, of the- it, well, they just. Ca- I mean, it's just like a. It's just a pool. Oh, it's an outdoor pool. Did you think it was an aquarium? I don't know. I thought it was a pool, but I was like, why it would they have a pool, a pool this a pool. far north? They have a curling. I mean, it's not that north. It's it's on the it's right by the oh, border. Okay, yeah. This is, this is south.
1: It's right I mean, by the border of Montana.
0: It's still pretty cold though. Yeah. I mean I wouldn't want to live there. CJKHL the says
1: so sources confirmed ESPN that Second Avenue is dirt.
0: So like if you're if you're just strolling around climax, do you say you're climaxing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the one who's gonna be a dad. Well what what do you
0: what
1: does that mean that was a dad joke that you said is that a dad joke I that, feel was like a, that was 100 that was 100 percent a dad joke
0: okay well there you go maybe i have a maybe i have a child coming up that i don't know about yeah. um okay <laughs> <laughs> all right let's uh let's go to the youtube comment i feel like this th- th- this has reached its climax
1: <laughs> wow great we're coming, great we're, we're coming down now great segue so here's the youtube comment so Logan Maxwell had reached out to me the uh, the other week, and I think I brought this up. You know mm-hmm. what? I'm just going to find his original uh, YouTube uh, comment because he's in Australia, and he had mentioned that he was basically uh, needed to try. Clima- Climax Hotel.
0: Like, could they have named it something else? Like, um, come eat, on. <laughs> eat My Ass and Reese is giving your segue a 10 out of 10. Climax Hotel. Like, Anyway, I'm, I'll let I'll, so, let I'll let the others draw the conclusions.
1: Here, here was uh, his uh, comment uh, from a couple weeks. Or I think a couple weeks. So he says, "Always loves the show. Wait for it every week." On another note, this bloody cinnamon toast crunch that keeps getting mentioned every month or two has tempted me. Uh, it's not a thing down here in Australia, and no way sounds like a healthy breakfast. However, for the not so low cost of twelve dollars, including postage, twelve dollars, or- <laughs> I've ordered a box of this amazing breakfast. Uh, apparently amazing breakfast. Watch this space for my hot take from down under. And last week in YouTube, he gave us a, a a, a thorough review of cinnamon toast
0: crunch. I just want to say before you get into the review that I appreciate the, like the, like play by play of this, that he told us that he was ordering it. Yeah. Anyway, continue.
1: And he said, so last week on last week's episode, he said, so I had a box of cinnamon toast crunch deliver and sat down with mixed expectations but hoping that it wasn't going to be as disappointing as the L.A. or Islanders game. I ate a bowl with milk, went to have a second, but didn't have milk left. So I had a bowl. I had that second bowl without the milk. Then the following day, got more milk and polished off the rest of the box. It was so delicious. Thank you for putting me into it. I'm hesitant to buy more due to the rapid rate. uh, I pliers through. uh, I think I went I went through it. And lack of control to stop myself from just one more bowl. It's probably for the best that we don't have this stuff available on Aussie shelves. I'm just so sorry you have to go I, through that. I'm very happy that we've turned an Australian Logan. I'm happy that we turned you on to the wonderful Don't don't, wonderful eat, don't eat Cinnamon, cinnamon Toast, toast crunch. crunch. Just don't do it. You still have do we do I
0: expose you right now? I mean, this is known. Also, I guess I learned today that
1: there is a cinnamon toast crunch ice cream. Yeah. Which, also, which, you can just put cinnamon toast crunch on top of ice cream, and it's great.
0: Oh, that it, sounds so bad. Vanilla ice so cream bad. with
1: vanilla ice cream with cinnamon sugar. You know this whole like the, I don't know what's worse, the ice
0: cream or the cereal, but it all sounds bad. <laughs> I've never tried it though, so I'll say that I haven't. I haven't actually tried cinnamon toast. Crunch. Yeah,
1: I mean, painful. Light, you're you're valid. Cinnamon toast crunch is delicious, but it's also candy, not breakfast. That's fair. Yeah. Oh my God! Wait. 91 Plutie saying, did you guys know that BJ's has a Cinnamon Toast Crunch Pazuki?" I did not. There used to be a BJ's within walking distance from me, and now it's gone. So Rest, rest in peace to that
0: BJ's. B- boy. It was a sick one. It was a sick BJ. BJ's. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Oops. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <I'm> moving on. <laughs>
1: I don't think I have anything else. That that's should we wrap up? Should we should we wrap up? That, that, that.
0: I think I broke them. I think I broke them. I did it, folks. This this one's for the people. This one's for the people who actually love eggs and avocados. I broke Jake. I did this for you guys. Oh man. Yeah, Ugh. I'm broken. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, first climax. Now BJ's. This is this show is just this is C- CTP after dark. <laughs>
1: yeah. Use the, this, use the code this, CTP after dark when you go to this, the climax is hotel. This, <laughs> is this the most
0: ultimate shit show that we've had? Can we get the climax hotel to to sponsor us? That's what I want to know. Um, can we can we get Leaf Rapids to sponsor us? We're we're climaxing the pond. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is really just fully off the rails or or maybe just on a different rail. You know, that's also an option. <laughs> do you, do you, do you have anything left? I, I have
1: nothing. I have
0: nothing left. I just broke you. Okay. You did. Um, <laughs> all right, folks. Well, if you enjoyed uh, what you listened to today, there's a few different ways for you to support that, to help you, to help us, uh, keep this thing going. The number one way is by joining our Patreon page. So Jake had to turn off his mic because he's so broken. Um, so for $1 a month, if you do a $1 monthly pledge, you get to join our patrons-only Discord server, which is so much fun. You get to bond with and connect with other diehard Ducks fans, uh, So during Games. It's with trade deadline season approaching, it's, a, it's the best time to join because as news are breaking down, you can immediately discuss it with all the great people that we have in there, including us, um, and it's not limited to just hockey talk. There's also food, a food channel, which is you're going to get some of the most controversial food. Takes oh, that's what I've ever seen. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So so on the show, if you join us,
1: we oh. will actually read the latest food take from the food channel. Um, this has been brought up as what needs to be um, brought up on the show. OK, this is important to, to bring up. OK. Within the food channel over this past week there was a crime committed against humanity oh one one felix sicard oh no decided to try to say that the show's not gonna end today is it the show's (laughs) not the show's not gonna end today is it (laughs) that cheese pizza is not pizza it's cheese bread that's in like no cheese bread no i have yet to hear a valid argument is the pizza is the bread cooked with sauce and cheese on it? Here is what I will say: Is cheese bread ever cooked with the sauce
0: on it? Here is what I will say: Cheese pizza is cheese bread, and I just have yet to hear. You could say it's cheese bread sauce, or, or cheese sauce bread, but it's not pizza. Pizza. So has l- let
1: me ask you this: Where did pizza originate?
0: Unknown, actually. If, Italy. If you, if you look at the uh, the history books, it's disputed where it originated from italy
1: and naples specifically well known for its pizza napolitan pizza is called that because of coming from naples one of the uh more iconic napolitan pizzas (laughs) is a margarita pizza which is sauce cheese and basil leaves Mm -hmm. that is it you're telling me that that is not pizza
0: no, what I am saying is that cheese pizza is not pizza. That is so cheese that is, pizza. That is a Neapolitan pizza. We don't nope, call that, that cheese pizza. That is
1: a cheese pizza. No, that is a Neapolitan pizza. That is, that is pizza with. Well, the, the, what, the, what is what is the difference between that and cheese pizza? It's cheese, because, sauce, bread. Because. Because, <laughs> because what?
0: <laughs> because what we think of as cheese pizza is like you know shitty. The yo know, chain restaurant or whatever, uh, cheese pizza, and that is not that. That so is Neapolitan.
1: So are you saying that the meat, a pepper, uh, one slice of pepperoni, yes. makes something go from being a pizza to not or not a it's pizza? Cheese to bread. A pizza. Is, slice, it's cheese pizza. One slice, one slice of pepperoni. <laughs> All right. I need to stop. I need to stop
0: because I'm, I'm, I'm getting. Look, I. So this has been one of the common. Uh, you keep. Cre- you also keep calling it cheese pizza. Well, no. So I'm just trying to use words that you will understand. It's not because <laughs> I think it's pizza. I think it's cheese bread. So hopefully that that clears it up. P- I think
1: you should. Go, I think you should go tell Domino's, Pizza Hut, local pizza eateries, all the different type of stuff, change their signs. They should. Make it, make it, they should, they,
0: they are, they are a true misinformation campaign. They should be deplatformed for, for this egregious misrepresentation. Um, so anyway, if you want to, if you want that, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not sh- sure this is the best way to sell this, but if you want that and more, uh, that's for $1 a month for $5 a month, you get access to two bonus episodes. So for those, we'll go more in depth around the league. We'll do rankings. We'll talk about the team. Uh, and we're also a lot more unfiltered than we are on the regular show. Although now I'm kind of like that line is starting to get blurred after today's episode, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and some of the antics that that Jake put on the show today. Me, uh, yeah, you. Um, and then for fifteen dollars a month, uh, you are helping us tremendously, 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 and uh, that's all at Patreon.com/slash Crash the Pond. Now, another way to support us, which is free to you, is you can go and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, and today. We have a new one, and if you do leave this review, we will read it on the show. And we have a new one; we will read it. This one is from Quackers, fifteen oh four. This is from Canada, and I there's this is significant to me that we got a review from. It Apple. took me. It took me a while to realize what you meant by that when you well, texted me. We've we've shit on multiple. Like we, <laughs> I shouldn't say we. We have. We are. We 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 actively shit on canadian cities every show i would maybe shit's a little strong but you know we critique them we certainly critique them and so that that people are in canada are still listening to us is a good sign it shows that we're, we're not too critical so title of the review is great pod five stars and here it goes best podcast there is wow i mean best open thank to you. review thank you Best podcast there is. There is no other Ducks podcast that comes close. I started listening about a year ago, and now I never miss the weekly pod. All the other Ducks podcasts are mostly opinionated and biased. But what makes this podcast so good is that there is no bias. And I love the use of analytics to support all key points. Very smart, clear, and consistent analysis. The, viewers question, the viewer questions portion of the podcast is entertaining as well. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you're entertained uh, from legitimate questions about the ducks to rants about Derek Grant and even takes on food. This podcast never seems to fall short of entertaining. I recommend this for any ducks fan. Thank you. This thank is you, a great thank review. You,
1: thank you. Thank you.
0: This means a lot to us. Um, yeah,
1: especially seeing as the past month or two, we've now really gone into the. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know when when will
0: this experiment run its course? Who knows? Or or maybe this is just the beginning.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel maybe, like I feel maybe, like we get more Twitter mentions about this than we do about regular podcasts. Anything else.
0: <laughs> anything else. Um, so, yeah, leave us a rating on Apple and uh, we will read it, on, or leave us a review on Apple and we we'll read it on the show. Uh, you can also leave us a rating on Spotify. So, go ahead and do that. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. You get to see the video version of the show. Um, you get to see <laughs> all the graphics, the maps of Canadian cities. You get to see uh, Jake's cat, Jake's attire, his pink hat all of it, um, and that's at YouTube.com slash Crash out- the Pond. F-
1: Type all the blood It says, when are we going to cover American cities? I'm not above finding random American I'm down. cities.
0: I'm down. There's there is <laughs> there is definitely a, a well that we can tap into at any yeah. time. Um, I mean, the world is our oyster when it comes to this bit.
1: Yeah. Um, Johnny, when you listen to this, give us a UK city.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: And outside of that,
0: check out our website, Crash the Pond.com. We're going to have a lot of Coverage there for the trade deadline uh, in the coming couple weeks here at Crash the Pond on Twitter, also on Facebook. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91, and I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore That is going to do it for the show tonight, guys, if you are still listening. Uh, almost two hours in now. We appreciate you. We appreciate all of you. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Have a good one.
1: Bye!